not Pastor Rebin's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It is quick. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you, Father, that your word today is going to bring clarity. It's going to bring encouragement. It's going to bring strength. And I pray for every father that's in the building and those who are watching via the Internet. And, Lord, I thank you that this other half of their life is going to be extremely better than the first half that they had. I pray that you will give them insight. You will give them encouragement. You will give them strength. And most of all, Father, give us a discerning ear to hear what you want to say to us. Thank you that we'll be like the the sons of Issachar who knew the times and the seasons. And so I thank you for every father in the building And those who are watching for a spiritual connection to take place in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series called Unapologetically Prosperous. So look at your neighbor and say, I'm very prosperous. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I said I'm very prosperous. Amen. It is God's undeniable will for his children to prosper. God put an assignment to rebuild the wall to a man named Nehemiah. And in the course of Nehemiah doing what God has put in his heart, Nehemiah encountered some things that we do. He encountered some criticism. How many have had criticism before? Yeah, he he ran into some criticism. Uh, we would call that in 2023 some haters. But I love the response that Nehemiah gave. And this is found in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20. It says, and then Nehemiah answered them and said to them, the God of heaven, he will do what church? He will what? He will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. Church. God will always prosper you to fulfill the assignment that he has on your life. I'm going to say that one more time. God will prosper you for you to fulfill the assignment that he has on your life. And so today, because it's Father's Day, I'm going to share a topic along the lines, but yet it still fits into our series. And so if you're taking notes or if you have the notes, uh, today's message is walking in the Father's favor. Walking in the Father's favor. And the Father that I'm talking about is Father God. And I believe that whatever God has, He's willing to give to us. 
the Bible says that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So whatever it's going to take for us to live the more than abundant life, I believe not only has God downloaded it to us, but I believe he'll give us an ear to hear what he wants us to, to hear uh, in order for us to complete our assignment. And so the message today, even though it's catered toward fathers, I believe it'll benefit everybody. Can you say amen to that? So we're going to start in Romans chapter 8 because the Bible says in Romans 8, 16, it says the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Let me just say this. Everyone who says that God is their God, they may not be talking about the same God. Amen. It says that we, the spirit bears witness that we are the children of God. Verse 17. And if we are children, then we have to be what? heirs we're not only heirs of god we're joint heirs with christ amen so as children of god we are heirs to what god has and one of the things that god has is favor you ever been with somebody who has favor and just because you were with them you got some favor amen look uh Pastor Keith, who was here a couple of weeks ago, uh, I had a meeting with him. So uh, after after the meeting, he was like, Evan, you want to see uh, the Frisco, uh, what do you call it, the stadium for the Cowboys, right? They have a facility there. There's an inside facility. There's an outside facility. There's a restaurant and all that stuff. And so he was like, he was like, would you like to see that? I said, okay, let's go. So I went... With, with uh, Pastor Keith. And Pastor Keith left his ID at home. Well, the ID is what's needed to get in this place. So we get up there. We, and he's confident. So I'm, I'm with him. <laughs> we get on the elevator. And as soon as it pop up, guess who's there? There's a lady there asking you for some ID. And Pastor Keith act like he, he owned the place. He was like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you again. And he just kept going. <laughs> so I was looking at her and looking at him. I was like. <laughs> we get up there. And he is touring me like he owns the building. Here's the part that got me, though. There is a meeting room that was in there. That they have big meetings at, you know, and they serve food and the whole nine. And so there was this sign that says closed due to meeting taking place. So I know how to read. <laughs> the sign says it's closed. Pastor Keith can't read. He's like, hey, Evan, let's go in here. Let me show you this room. And I'm like, Pastor Keith, it says it's closed. Come on in here, Evan. Look, now I'm scared. Because I'm black and he's not. (laughs) So I'm thinking, oh, my God. I can just see it on the news. All of the pastor arrested. And his friend bailed him out. Pastor Keith walked up in that place, walked around that place, walked through that place. And here's why he was able to do that. Because Pastor Keith had some favor in that place I didn't have. But because he had the favor, 
I had the favor. Say amen to that. And because God has favor, we have favor. So if you're taking notes, one of the things that we learned last week is that favor must be activated. And one of the ways that we activate favor is through our giving. And so I want to now pick up uh, on a second point for today. And, and it's our first point, but it's our second point in the whole series. And it is this. God's favor resides when a man marries a bride. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's favor resides with the man who marries a bride. We saw that today. Papa Jack's wife is with him today. And I know he's going to have to share whatever he got. Because she's the one that brought him the favor today. In other words, favor from God, listen church, is activated when a man gets married. How many married men in the room? Let me see your hand, married men. Now listen, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 22 says this. Whoso finds a wife. That's interesting. Because she had to be a wife. For you to find her. So women, if you're single, he's not looking for a girlfriend. He's looking for a wife. A man that finds a wife, finds a what? A good thing. And then it says, and. Everybody say, and. So not only does he find a good thing, he obtains what? Favor from who? From God. So listen, getting a wife gets me favor. Watch this. But how I treat my wife determines if I maintain the favor. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Getting a wife gets me favor. But how I treat my wife determines if I maintain the favor. First Peter chapter one, uh, first Peter chapter three, verse seven. You probably read this verse. It says, likewise, you husbands. Notice it say, it didn't say boyfriends or fiancés. It says, likewise, you husbands live or dwell with them, your wives, according to knowledge. Watch this. Giving what? Honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And, everybody say and. So he says, in addition to, to honor, He says, in addition to that, he says, now, I want you also uh, because you are heirs together. What are you heirs together of? It says the grace of life. The word grace is favor. So he's saying, listen, men, watch how you honor your wife because you are an heir together with her. Because both of you all are heirs of the favor of life. And then he goes on to say, so that your prayers be not hindered. The word hindered means to be cut off. In fact, the New King James Version of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 uses this word hindered. I want to show you how powerful this word is. He says, but we brethren... Having taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. 
But then he says in verse 18, therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. He said, but Satan hindered us. The word hindered there is that word. So how you treat your wife can hinder your favor. So if you're married, how many married people in the room? How many married people? Listen, your honor level determines your favor level. Oh. I had to say something funny on the front end so I can get you right here. Everybody say your honor level determines your favor level. How you honor helps or hinders your prayers. Now, remember last week I explained how giving was one of the things that activated favor. Well, I said last week, everything in life is tied to giving. Well, let's re-examine this verse because I want to show you something about giving again. It says in verse 7, likewise, you husband, husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. What's the next verse? What is it? What is it? Now, last week I said giving activates what? Favor. See, that's why I repeat because you don't remember. Giving activates what? Giving activates favor. And if you notice here, he says, husbands, when you give some honor, favor is released. Did you see that? He says, giving honor to who? To the wife. Not your work wife. You shouldn't even have one. How are you giving more honor to the women at your job? You open the door for them. You check it. They're late 10 minutes. You checking on, you okay? When was the last time you text your wife in the middle of the day just to check on her? Okay, this is not going well. This is not going well. I planned it better in my head. I, I had a better response in my head. It's just not, it's not working out that way. I need to move on. Notice when you give honor, cause I, listen church, I want you to get this. Giving triggers favor. And he said right here, if you will give some honor to your wife, you will get some favor from God. Everybody say honor is something you give. It's an action word. And one of the best ways to properly give honor to your wife is to ask her what are some of the things you can do to honor her. Don't try to leave it up to your mind. Because what you think is honor may not be honor to her. Taking out the trash. That's, no, that's not honor. That's your job. Okay, okay. That's your job. It's not honor. Amen. Ask her. Baby, what does honoring you mean to you? What can I do to honor you? In fact, just look at your spouse right now and ask him. Say, what can I do to honor you? Now tell him, you'll tell him at home. You'll tell him at home. 
how you treat, I'm trying to help, I'm trying to help you. How you treat your wife determines how much favor you get. How many want a lot of favor? Man, listen. Yeah! Do you know you can think you're honoring and you may not be? Amen. Here's point number two. If you're taking notes, we're going to get off of that one because it didn't work well. (laughs) Here's another way to walk in the favor or in the father's favor. When your pride is low, your favor will grow. I'm going to say that again. When your pride is low, your favor will grow. In other words, listen, church, being humble, man of God, is God's recipe for more favor. Thank you for those two claps and that cricket that said amen over here in the corner right here. When your pride is low, your favor will grow. When you're humble, it's God's recipe for more favor. And I don't know about you, but if I am going to live this life, if someone came to me and said, Pastor Evan, let's say it got revealed. This is not the case but they say well god's not real the word of god is not real angels and none of that stuff is real would you change how you live i wouldn't because it's working for me (laughs) are you with me amen and uh, i have learned as a man we all have pride women have pride but men we tend to have a little bit more of that And what I've discovered is when our pride is high, our blessings are low. Because pride is self-reliance. That's you saying, hey, it's about me. I can do this thing. Well, in James chapter 4, it shows us that the more humble we walk, the more favor we get. It says, you adulterers and adulteresses know you not that, that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Verse 5. Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? Watch verse 6. But he, God, he gives what, church? Come on, church. Come on, church. It didn't say he gives grace. It says he gives. Come on, church. He gives more grace. Well, who gets the more grace? It says he gives more grace. Wherefore, it says God resisted the who? Who does God resist? See, sometimes we're we're knocking and we're seeking and we're pushing and the doors are not opening, opening because God's behind the door resisting you. Man, the last thing I want is God resisting me. That's the last thing I want. Listen, and sometimes he's resisting. And so I want you to go and look through your prayer journal and your prayer life to see what prayers have been hindered. Because all you have to do is check one or two things. Number one, check how you're honoring your wife. But then also check to see how much pride you're flowing in. Because see, pride is like bad breath. You don't know you have it. That didn't go over well either. Let me, I need to rewrite my sermon, first lady. I I need to do that. 
It says verse 6, but he gives more grace. I love that. Wherefore he says, God resists to who? The proud. But he gives grace to who? The humble. And then it tells us how to be humble. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist who? The devil. And he will what? He will flee from you. Listen, the devil ain't going to just leave. You got to resist him. Now, it doesn't say how many times you have to resist. But trust me, if he came to Jesus and Jesus had to resist him three times, he going to come to us at least six. Because he don't think we'd be serious when we'd be resisting. Like, now it's okay. You know, they tried to give you their phone number. Now I'm good. But you didn't sound like you were serious. So they come back again. They send you an inbox. and says, hey, how are you? You shouldn't even answer it. If it's not your wife. Oh, it's just real quiet today. I'm not greeting. I'm going to write a new sermon in between services. Resist the devil and he will what? He will flee from you. So what does it mean to be humble? When God's way is exalted over our way. When God's thoughts are elevated over our thoughts. See, pride is an invisible force that fights against God. And it may get us our best, but it will not or it will keep us from God's best. Say amen to that. Uh, There was a man named Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. We're going to read it very quickly. This man, Nebuchadnezzar, was the king. But Nebuchadnezzar got caught up with his accomplishments. He got caught up with what he had and what he had going on and all the people he had serving him. And so it, it, it got to his head. And typically, you can know when something has gotten to your head when you don't trust God about it no more. So it says here, he had a dream. And so Daniel was talking to him. He says, this is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord, the King. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow. And you will be drenched with dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way. Until, everybody say until. Until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone who chooses. Look now, Daniel chapter 4 verse 28. We're dropping down. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was talking a walk, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my magic splendor. Watch verse 31. He says, while these words were still in his mouth, A voice called down from heaven and said, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow. And seven periods will pass away or pass by while you live this way until you learn. Everybody say learn. Learn. Until you learn the most high rules. 
And so verse 33 says the same hour the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagles feathers and his nails were like bird claws. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned. David said, I look to the hills which comes my help. My help comes from who? It comes from the Lord. So, uh, fathers, when we resist help, pride is flowing. You know, uh, first lady does a whole lot better when it comes to directions than me. Even when the navigation system is on. I don't even want to believe it. She's shaking her head over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one day uh, we were riding and uh, I had in my head the way we ought to go. The navigation system was taking us a different way. And the way it was taking us was through these neighborhoods. I'm not Mr. Rogers. I'm trying to get somewhere. Y'all will get that in a minute. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, Mr. Rogers. How many know what I'm talking about? You old, that's why. But anyway. So we just cruised it through the neighborhood. At first lady looking at it. Oh, that's a nice house. Oh, that's beautiful. And I'm just like, can we get to where we going? So finally one day after I'm resisting the navigation again. I was like, well, last time we listened to this navigation, it took us to a neighborhood. She said, but I like the neighborhood. I like the neighborhood. So the question I have is, am I going to be so wanting to be where I want to go that I can't let her enjoy the ride in the process? Amen. Nebuchadnezzar looked up to heaven. It says his sanity returned. And he says, I praised and worshiped the most high God and I honored the one who lives forever. Here's point number three as we close. Favor will flow when your obedience grows. Everybody say favor will flow when your obedience grows. In other words, our obedience releases the favor of God. So I'm going to read a verse. That we've read in this series. And then I'm going to backtrack. In Luke chapter 2 verse 52. It says. And Jesus increased. Everybody say increased. He increased in wisdom. He increased in stature. And he increased in what? Favor with who? Okay. So remember I said giving triggers what? Favor. Okay. So if Jesus grew in favor with God and man. What did Jesus do to trigger that? Let's go back up now to Luke chapter 2 and let's go to verse 46. Because Jesus had to do something in order for this favor with God and man to grow or to increase in his life. In Luke chapter 2 verse 46 it says, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of doctors. Let me just give you context. Jesus had... uh, 
somehow wandered away from his family. Back in those days, they, they traveled in caravans. So it was like a big herd, a big tribe, right? So they're going to wherever they're going. And for whatever reason, you know, three days, they done looked up. And, and, and Jesus was not with them. I don't know how you miss not seeing your kid for three days. But I promise you, in 2023, they would have reported Joseph and Mary to CPS. I promise you they would have. I promise you they would have. As soon as they got back to their hut, the messenger would have came with a note. Uh, Mr. Joseph and Mary, we heard through the grapevine. No, I'm sorry. We heard through the donkey vine <laughs> that you and Joseph went three days without knowing your child was gone. Well, verse 47, it says, and they were all who heard him. Well, let me back up. It says they found him sitting in the temple in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Verse 47. And they all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said, son, why are you dealing with us this way? Now, listen, what Jesus is about to say is what caused an increase of favor with God and man towards him. Watch what he says. He said unto them, verse 49, how is it that you sought me? Do you not know that I must be about what? My father's business. So Jesus' obedience to his father's will, his focus was obeying God. His focus was on doing what God wanted him to do. And because now he had a willing heart, everybody say a willing heart, a willing heart to obey God, favor got released. Obedience affects three areas, three main areas. There's more than three, but uh, obedience affects three major areas in our life. The first area that obedience as a father affects is our provision. I think we get so caught up on making a living, we forgive that we need to live while we're doing it. Amen. Your kids, listen, they don't understand how many hours you have to work. To, to pay the phone bill. They just know you ain't never there. Amen. Gifts will never replace time. It affects our provision. God told Elijah. He said, I want you to go to the, the, the Zarephath. And there's going to be a widow woman to feed you. Well, what if he went down the street to somebody else? He wouldn't have got fed. In other words, our obedience affects our provision. What else does it affect? It, it affects our, well, let me read a verse here. Le- Leviticus chapter 26 before I go to the next one. Look in verse 1. It says, you shall make no idols, nor graven in- image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set up an image of stone in your hand to bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. Verse 2, you shall keep my, my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Watch verse 3. If you walk in my statues... And keep my what? Commandments. And do what? Do them. He said, watch what happens. Then. Everybody say then. Then Then when. Then after we obey, he says, I will give you rain in due season. He says, and your land will yield her increase. And the trees of the field shall yield her fruit. Men, let me say this. When we seek first the kingdom of God, God will add whatever we need in life. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 says, if you be willing, everybody say willing, 
If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the what? Good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, he says, you'll be devoured with the sword. The New Living Translation of that verse says this. If you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword. Let me just say this. The world system is already against us. So one area that affects our provision. Here's uh, area number two. It affects our protection. You know, in Exodus, right before they got ready to leave, God told the children of Israel, he said, listen, I want you to take the blood of some lambs. And they said, I want you to put them on the doorpost of your home. And he says, as long as you do that, the death angel, when it passes by, no one will be affected in your home. Just imagine if somebody decided they didn't want to do that. Amen. Our obedience affects our protection. Here's number three. Our obedience affects other people. Jonah put people's lives at risk because he did not want to obey God. Let me tell you something, fathers. If God is going to, let me say it like this. God has made us the head of our homes. That means we're the protector. But many times we see physical protection more important than spiritual protection. And the spiritual protection is just as important because you never know what's happening. Say amen to that. Amen. Amen. Uh, Years ago, I'm closing right here. Years ago, uh, some of y'all heard this story. Um, Heaven was, I don't know, 10. And we would go to the fair. And one of the highlights of the fairs is, you know, you got the candy apples which you know with my new set of chops I can't I can't do that but then they had the funnel cakes with the sugar on top of it I mean it is diabetic special I mean it's good though right so we in line and it's a long line it's probably the line is probably where those doors are and we back here right and you know we 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 coming down the line and it's taking a long time and, and, and when I get to about, you know, this this is the window, right? I'm about right here, be in heaven, and some South Dallas thug <laughs> walks up and stands here like he's gonna skip me when the line goes up. Well I'm having a problem with that. At least ask me, can you skip? But don't just think you're going to skip me. Well, this day, I guess he wanted to try the pastor. Well, I wasn't a pastor at that, that, that time. I'm glad I wasn't. I'm glad I wasn't. So I saw it. He getting ready to make the move. I said, uh, excuse me. I said, uh, I know you're not trying to skip me. And he was with his girlfriend, too. So I don't know if he was trying to, like, like. Look like he the man. I say, I know you're not trying to skip me. And he says, what you going to do? Now, I had a choice to make. Because what I'm about to do is going to affect heaven. Because I'm talking about it. it affects, your obedience affects people. Right? 
So I was in the flesh that day. So I was like, oh, heaven ain't going to see me get skipped. No, 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 not today. So I told him, I said, "Uh, get in front of me and see. Ask me, did he skip me? No. Ask me, did he skip the people behind me? Yes, he did. I wasn't having it that day. I wasn't as spiritual as I am now. <laughs> you say, well, what would you do now, Pastor? Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. I ain't grew in that area. I'm sorry. I, I have not grown in that area. You ain't grown either, so don't say nothing to me. So how do, how do we begin a life of consistent obedience? Because I believe there are some new levels. There are some new blessings. There are some next life things that God wants to do. But he will only do it if he knows he's got our obedience. See, here's the problem with most of us. God wants us to say yes on the front, even if we don't know what's going to happen on the back. See, the only reason we don't say yes on the front end and we want to wait to see what happens on the back end before we say yes, the only reason we do that is because we don't trust God. It's because we don't trust God. Say amen to that. So how do we begin a consistent life of obedience? Real quick, number one, identify one area at a time to focus on where you need to obey God. Let's say that's your mouth. I'm going to I'm going to stop cussing or I'm going to stop cussing. <laughs> you identify it. Number two, you're going to make a decision to be open to God at all times, which means that you're going to have to learn now some scripture because there's a scripture that says, don't let corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace. I had to learn that verse and I had to learn it and I had to learn it. I had to learn it. So when I got ready to want to cuss somebody, I'll, be, I'll, I'll say something. I'll be like, let no corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth. They're looking at me like, what is he doing? Find some scriptures on obedience that will help you get in obedience. And then here's the thing. Find somebody that you can be accountable to and tell them the struggle. Say amen to that. And then last but not least, be willing on the front end so God can release the favor on the back end. Did you get something out of the message today? So with every head bowed, Every head bow. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, there are, there are many men whose fathers are not with them today. But you said you would be a mother to the motherless and a father to the fatherless. And I pray the pain that some men may feel as if it's a void in their life and it's a void in their area, uh, in, their, in their heart 
where they say, oh man, if, if my dad had been in my life, I may not have done this. But God, it, whoever needed to be in our life, you made sure was in our life. You sent substitutes that we may not have been knowledgeable of. But whoever those substitutes were, Father, showed us the love and the care and the direction that we needed. And so I pray for all the men today, all the fathers that are in the house and those who are watching me. And I pray that they would develop such a close relationship with you that, Father, whatever void they may have had in their life regarding their father, you will fill that void. I thank you for healing. I thank you for change. I thank you for a new beginning. And, Lord, the areas where we need to obey you, bring conviction. But most of all, Father, give us a desire to want to do what's right. And I just declare blessings on the fathers today. I declare, Father, the peace of God which passes all understanding. I declare that over their hearts today. I declare, Father, over every father. I thank you that, Father, just like you supply all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. As we seek you first in the kingdom of God, you say you will supply all our needs. So, Lord, I thank you that as a man, as a father, and as representatives of fathers here today, thank you for supplying everything we need. Help us to trust you like never before in Jesus' name. Amen. With every head still bowed, here's my question. If you die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? Because if you're not sure, I want to pray for you. Maybe you hear these.